Well, Multiply Lake Norma, how we doing today? There was literally a fifth of the people in here for first service, and they were louder than that. Multiply Lake Norma, how we doing today? You gave it everything you had. I appreciated that. Hey, listen, I know we're, we're packed in here today. It's something to be excited about. So we're going to go a little old school. If you have some seats next to you, raise your hand. All right, if you need a seat, go sit beside one of those hands. All right, that's the way, that's the easy way to do it. So, hey, here, here's the deal, man. Today we are celebrating five years of being a church. I'm excited for everything that, that God has done. But in true multiply fashion, uh, we have to celebrate some people. And, and the first two people that I'm going to ask to come to the stage, can I get Pastor Eric to come to the stage? And can I get Brittany Rochelle to come to the stage? Y'all make some noise for these two. Man, I, I'm excited for everything that, that these guys have done for us. So, Brittany, I'm going to have to ask you to stand right there. And then, all right, yeah, and then, Eric, can you stand right here? Right? Yeah. Have you ever seen Nickelodeon, like the slime stuff? <laughs> you ever seen that? So, look up, Eric. All right, hit the button. Ready, one, two. No, I'm just kidding. There's no slime coming down. Uh, but, man, first off, uh, Pastor Eric, I want to celebrate and honor you. Uh, you turned 27 years old last week. No, how, how old did you turn? 37 years old last week. So on the count of three, we're not singing happy birthday. We're just going to scream happy birthday, Pastor Eric, on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. There you go. Man, we honor you. We want to celebrate you, uh, everything that you and Aubrey are doing in Hickory, uh, the, the stories that you're beginning to share. I'm going to share one later, so I'm not going to share it now. But uh, I'm excited for everything that you guys are doing. Listen, you're going to hear me say this again in service. If you know anyone in the Hickory area... Family member, cousin, crazy aunt. We don't care who it is as long as they have a heartbeat, all right? Uh, but it, it, listen, here, here's the deal. If you know anyone in the Hickory area, that whole area, uh, we're launching the third week of January of Multiply Hickory. And, and if, if you know anyone, we want to hear from you about who those people are. So we can call you, so you can call them, and let them know that we're planting a church, so they can be part of that. I'll get to that uh, one more time in the service. So can we give it up for Pastor Eric? Make some noise for him. Happy birthday. All right, and then Miss Brittany Rochelle, if you would come front and center as well. Uh, Eric, get back. You've already had the limelight. This is, this is for Miss Brittany to have the limelight. So, man, for those of you who have not met Brittany yet, um, she has been a part of our church for a little over three years, and, and she's been on staff at Multiply Lake Norman for the past three years. It's crazy to think that you've been on staff for three years, uh, but Brittany, there is no doubt in my mind uh, that God has called you and Justin and, and your three kids. I have to say three kids now. Your three kids uh, to multiply Lake Norman. We are absolutely, one, we're absolutely better because of you. Um, watching you step into your gift set, watching you to step into your call, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's hard, even when it's stretching you, you do it with such grace, you do it with such honor, uh, you do it with such forgiveness. Uh, and I just want to honor and celebrate you and say thank you for sticking with us for three years and here's to three more. And everybody said amen. Y'all give it up for Brittany Rochelle one more time. Jenna's got a gift for you guys. Okay, now make some noise while they get off the stage so there's not an awkward transition. There you go. And I've got to ask four more people quickly to come on stage. Uh, can I get Carol and Bill Ashburn, and can I get Vicki Brock and Jeff Campbell? Can you guys come on stage really quick? Y'all didn't know y'all were coming up. Make your way up the steps. Up the steps. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Y'all make some noise for these four. I'm like, why are we coming up here? What's going on? 
So what we do at the beginning of every month is we like to, not the beginning because this is the end, the end of every month is we like to celebrate all of our multipliers. So here at Multiply Church, we call our volunteers multipliers. So man, we want to absolutely celebrate people that serve at this church. So the first two, can I get the Ashfords to come down? Can I get you two? Uh, so uh, man, there is, there have been few people um, who, who I have felt comfortable enough uh, to just pick up a phone and start asking questions to when it comes to the church, when it comes to buildings, when it comes to vision and direction. A and you too have been a, a still small voice in my life, uh, in Jenna's life, and in, in the life of this church more than people will ever know. Uh, people don't know the conversations that we've had. People don't know um, how you guys have just uh, spoken over my life and spoken over Jenna's life, just encouraging us. Uh, and now you're serving at the church. You're, you're holding doors. You're part of the greeting team. Uh, and, and we just want to say thank you and honor you guys for everything that you've done uh, and everything that you'll continue to do for Multiply Church and for the kingdom. So can we make some noise for the Ashburns? Y'all give me a hug. Don't cry because if you cry, I cry. All right? All right, now we got to ask, I'm going to ask Miss Vicky and, and Mr. Jeff if you guys could kind of stand front. So I don't know why I'm pointing. It's just lighter right here, I guess. Yeah, that works. Um, I can't look at you. Zach, your mom's going to make me cry. Um, so for those of you who don't know these two, um, man, you're missing out. If you don't know the story of these two individuals and, and how their two lives have kind of come together, it's absolutely uh, by the grace of God. And, and to watch both of you and just to know a little part of your story and a little piece of what both of you have, have gone through and, and what you've walked through the past uh, couple of years together, um, you've, you've done it with, with smiles on your faces and joy in your heart and trusting the Lord the entire way. And uh, I, I hope that I can be the grandparents that you are someday. I hope that I can be the parents that you guys are someday. You raised Zach Brock. Yes, I did. That is comedic, uh, comedy relief so we don't cry, okay? <laughs> Zach, where are you? Stand up. I can make you stand up because your mama's up here. And if I can't, she can. She raised him. And for those of you who know Zach, man, that is, that is, a, that is a challenge. Uh, but, but man, you, ra you raised both of your boys so well. You raised Zach and Josh so well. And it's an honor for... For us to be able to celebrate you, to watch you go on the men's retreat and just fully step in and submerge yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to be fully a part of this church, even if it's out of my comfort zone, that, that was an honor and a joy to watch. So I want to celebrate you guys as well. So can we make some noise for these four being our multipliers of the month? Give me a hug. All right, all four of y'all get off stage before I cry. That's, that's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm an emotional person for those of you who don't know me. Uh, but, but here we go, week four of our series through the book of Revelation. So we've been in this series uh, for the past three weeks, stepping into week four now. The series title is called Last Days. So what does it look like to go through the book of Revelation? We've been using 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 as kind of a roadmap to set the stage for where we're going. And it reads like this. Paul writes, now we see through a glass dimly, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Scripture assures us that it's okay if we don't understand everything that we read. Sometimes things seem dimly, but one day we will know everything complete. 
Here's, here's something to put your mind at ease. You don't have to know it all. Even if you think you're a know-it-all, you don't have to know it all. We aren't meant to know it all. We're finite beings. We serve an infinite God, so to say that we can understand everything that God has ordained kind of puts us outside the realm of possibility. Why? Because we're finite beings. But Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, starts off with these five words, the revelation from Jesus Christ. The revelation from Jesus Christ. So if we go back to the original Greek, again, I'll remind you the word revelation stands for apocalypse or apocalypse, which simply means a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. Too often we'll read the book of Revelation and start to freak out a little bit because we don't understand it. But we have to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is always Jesus. We shouldn't be afraid to read through the book of Revelation just because there's this mark of the beast. Just because there's an antichrist. Just because there's hell, fire, and destruction and all this stuff that we don't understand. Listen, we can be aware of the enemy. We can be aware of the devil in the book of Revelation because he's there. But our focus has to always be Jesus. Regardless of the book of the Bible that you're reading, the focus is always Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we studied that in the last days, Jesus is found in the middle of the local church. And I'm a firm believer that we can't experience all that God has for us unless we're part of a local church, unless we submerge ourselves in a local church. I'm going to step on some toes. I'm going to get in your grits. It's not enough just to show up on a Sunday morning and occupy a seat. It's not enough to just check the box going, well, I went for one time this month, so I'm good. I'm taken care of. Jesus calls us to be part of the local church. And then last week, Pastor Keith reminded us by looking at the church of Smyrna that we'll all experience suffering. We're all going to experience suffering. Just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. Remember the 12 dudes that follow Jesus? They were killed. Like, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be perfect. And sometimes we might not fully understand the suffering. Sometimes we might not fully get the suffering. Oftentimes we'll say, God, why me? Why am I going through this? I don't deserve this suffering. And then when we stand on the gospel message, when we proclaim the gospel message, Pastor Keith reminded us that oftentimes we'll get called names for standing up for Scripture. We'll be outcast for standing up for Scripture. But regardless of all that, for the past five years, we've preached the love and the grace and the forgiveness of the Bible. For, for the past five years, we've also been committed to preaching the fullness of Scripture. So if I'm going to talk about grace, then I have to talk about sin. If I'm going to talk about mercy, then I have to talk about judgment. We don't get to pick and choose and kind of cherry pick the scriptures that we like that fit nice and neat into our lives and forget all the rest. We either take the Bible in its fullness or we don't take it at all. What would it look like for us to fully read through scripture? So here we go, our last day series, week four. I want to talk about citywide revival. Revelation chapter two, verse one through seven. Let me backtrack a bit and, a bit and let's read the letter to the church at Ephesus. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there to Revelation chapter 2. If you don't have them, it's on the screen. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, by the way, let me just pause. I love the fact that you guys have your Bibles open and you're taking notes. I love it. I mean, he's like, I'm not sitting up front anymore. No, but I, I absolutely love it. All right, to the angel. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hands, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. If you go back to chapter one, we understand that the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches that John writes about. 
And the reason we know that Jesus is in the middle of the local church because Scripture tells us that Jesus is walking in the middle of the lampstands. And he says this in verse 2. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. In my Bible, those are red letters, uh, red letter words. That means that Jesus said them. And, and from the jump, Jesus is giving the church of Ephesus a few attaboys. The athletes in the room, like you know what an attaboy is. It's like when your coach or another player comes by, they give you a high five. They give you a tap on the back. It's like, hey, you're doing a good job, attaboy. Like, like keep after it, keep going. And it, and it feels like that's what Jesus is doing to the church at Ephesus. But what we know is some 60 to 65 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, there's already false, false apostles and false prophets. So then let's, let's fast forward to today. Are there apostles today? Are there prophets today? Well, if we truly believe what Ephesians chapter 4 says, that for some, some are called apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are shepherds, and some are teachers, then that means that all five of those are present today. Again, remember back to our study in the book of Ephesians, but this is what I know. Apostles are not dead people in the Bible, are not just dead people in the Bible. The Greek word for apostle is used to describe the original 12. It's also used to describe 70 other individuals that follow Jesus. And it's used to describe 13 other individuals. Matthias, Paul, James, Barnabas, Titus, just to name a few. The list goes on and on. If you were to take that entire list of those who were sent forth apostolically in the New Testament, there are at least 83 individuals called apostle. But in the modern era... In the modern world, the word or phrase apostle and prophet have been hijacked and misused. And we talked about that through our study in the book of Ephesians. But the second thing that I noticed is that there were false apostles. So I asked myself this question, how is there something that's false without something that is true? So if there's false apostles, if there's false uh, prophets, then there has to be true apostles and there has to be true prophets because the enemy can't create so he copies it's kind of like if you were running a counterfeit kind of underground money printing operation you probably w- i hope nobody in this room is doing that if you are just type no i'm just kidding that's a bad joke I don't say that uh but if you had a counterfeit operation you're not going to make one dollar bills why because there's no value to them you're gonna make 20s and hundreds The enemy can't create, so he's going to copy, but he's only going to copy what is valuable. That's why there were false apostles and false prophets. If we go on to read, John goes on to write in verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Again, the church at Ephesus is getting a few high fives or getting a few attaboys, but then we get to verse 4. But I have this against you, Jesus says, that you have abandoned the love that you first had. Remember, therefore, where you, where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in paradise, which is in the paradise of God. 
So there's four characteristics that Jesus applauds in verse 2, that Jesus calls out in verse 2, that Jesus gives some high fives for in verse 2. The first one is this. He says, hey, listen, you've worked hard. There's many of you in the room today, you feel like you've worked hard in life. You're like, I wish somebody would give me an attaboy. I wish somebody would give me a high five. I wish someone would notice the hard work that I'm doing. Jesus says, hey, you've worked hard. He also says, you've endured. You've endured the pain. You've endured the suffering. You've endured all that life is throwing at you. And and then he says, hey, you didn't tolerate evil. Good job. You you didn't tolerate evil. So you've worked hard. You've endured. You didn't tolerate evil, evil. And you called out what was false. You called out the false prophets. You called out the false apostles. And again, it sounds pretty good. It sounds like they were on the right track. But in a world of evil, when you're always confronting evil, it can be very easy to grow cold. It can be very easy to go cold as a Christ follower. It's no secret that the walls of sin harden our hearts. But if we're not careful, the walls of self-righteousness can do the exact same thing. We can become angry instead of becoming loving. We can become uninterested instead of longing for the presence of God. We can become frustrated instead of becoming patient. We can become comfortable instead of leaning in, like my friend Darren says, to doing hard things. John tells us that the church at Ephesus had abandoned the love that they first had. So let's get real for just a second. What if you actually checked your own heart? What if I asked you this question? Like if, if, if I stepped off the stage and I walked over to some of you and said, hey, Jeff, how's your heart doing? How, how's your love for Jesus? And if I walked, Pat, if I walked over to you, hey, how's your heart? How's your heart truly doing? How's your love for Jesus? Because what we'll do is we'll say, hey, how's your day going? And, and oh, it's good. Like, you know that, oh, it's good. I and you just kind of move past it. But if someone sat in front of you and said, hey, how's your heart? Are you truly following Jesus with, with all that you have? What would your true response be? I mean, even as a pastor, it's scary to think what my response would be sometimes because sometimes I just don't feel like it. Newsflash, I'm human too. How, how is your heart really doing? When I was in college, I think it was my, my sophomore year, uh, there were these signs around Southeastern University, and there was these, these pictures. It, just, uh, it was a printout of a rake, and it said literally R-A-K-E at the bottom. And the acronym kind of stood for Random Acts of Kindness Every Day. And I remember seeing those signs up across campus, and, and I would do my best to have this random act of kindness. I would do my best to hold the door open for someone, to ask someone how their day was going, to, to sit down and have a meal with someone. Whatever the case may be, I was kind of going out of my way to have these random acts of kindness every day. Now, fast forward, I'm 33 years old, and this past week I was on a flight down to Nicaragua, and, and uh, we were there planting the church, and I'll, I'll get to that in here in just a second, but... Man, I felt, I felt like I was like on a spiritual high. Any, anybody ever been there? It's like, man, I listened to worship music that morning. I did my Devo on the plane. I read my, another Devo book. Like I was on this spiritual high. The problem was the lady beside me. Like there, there's some airplane etiquette that if you don't know, I'm about to let you in on so you don't tick someone else off. But here, here's the airplane etiquette. If you have the middle seat, and you're traveling with the person next to the window, you lean towards that person, not the person you don't know. (laughs) Etiquette number two, 
You get the front part of the armrest or the back part of the armrest. You don't get the entire armrest. So here I am. I'm like, again, I feel like I'm on this spiritual high. Like, I'm going, we're going down to plant this church in Nicaragua. I've done my devos for the day. Like, I'm ready to rock and roll. And I'm ticked off because this lady's leaning towards me and taking up the entire armrest. I'm like, all right, maybe I'm just in a bad mood because we got up early. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, try to take a nap. So I, I like, I lean my, my chair back a little bit. I kind of reclined, got my legs out, and, and I start dozing off. And I'm probably a good 15, 20 minutes into sleeping. And I promise you, the stewardess looked at me and got a running start with that stupid little cart and slammed it right into my knee. And if I'm honest with you, I woke up saying four-letter words that I can't repeat in church. Like, I'm just being, being real. Like in college, I'm trying to do random acts of kindness every day. And then you fast forward and it's like, what in the world is going on? Like, I'm ticked off. If we're not careful, we can be so fixated on doing that our love can grow cold. I was so fixated. I did my devotionals. I worshiped Jesus. I prayed. I'm good to go. We're going to plant a church. I was doing, 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 and I grew cold to the people around me. This was last week. I'm I'm not talking about something I did 10 years ago. I'm talking seven days ago. And we can grow cold to the people around us if we're not careful. But scripture gives us a solution in verse 5. It says this, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. So the big question is this, what were the works they did at first? We have to go back to Acts chapter 19. And we see this revival in Ephesus and it impacted the entire city. It's like our previous series. We talked about Ezra and Nehemiah. We talked about the altar and we talked about the walls. We talked about the church, and we talked about the city. We're not called to just have a Sunday morning corporate experience. We're called to go outside the walls of the church. Is this important? Absolutely. Is this fun? Absolutely. It's supposed to be. It's part of it, but it's only one side. If we don't take what we learn in here, out there, then all we are is a country club, not a church. If we're just standing in here saying, God, I just want to be fed... I need the pastor to give me a good message. I need to make sure that the worship team is doing a good job so that I feel good about my spiritual walk. If that's why you come to church, we're coming to church for the wrong reasons. We're not called to be a country club. We're called to be a church, and a church means getting outside the four walls. So how do we do that? How do we reignite the love in our heart? How do we make sure that we don't grow cold? The first way to do do it is this. Verse 5 says that we have to remember. Let me ask you this question. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember how on fire you were? Do you remember wanting to tell people about the decision that you made in your life? What about, what about your baptism? Do you remember the day that you got baptized? I, I remember when I got baptized, man, I, I had the honor uh, to be baptized in, in the Jordan River, and I remember coming up out of the water, and I felt like I would never dry off. Like, I, I didn't want to. I wanted to tell everybody. Hey, I just made a public uh, confession of my faith that I believe in Jesus, and I, I wanted to tell everybody. <laughs> so, so much so that uh, in high school, Keith, you remember that little box that I drove? A little white box? Oh, my toaster oven that I drove is Scion XB. On the back, it said Jesus saves, and it took up the whole window. Like, I literally couldn't see out the back of the window. But that's like how on fire I was. Do you remember when you accepted Jesus? Do you remember when you got baptized? 
Man, I had to think back and I have to remember when the 36 people that helped us plant Multiply Church, we, we, uh, we mapped out the movie theater at Our Town Cinemas, got the dimensions, and then we went over to a space in Concord that we had access to. Matt, you remember doing this? And we, uh, we mapped it out, got the dimensions, and we, time, we set up a camera and we timed ourselves on how long it would take us to set up and tear down. Like I have to remember back to those moments. I have to remember back to when we started serving in the community. When we had moments where we served at the Ada Jenkins Center. I have to remember back to when we started a Chi Alpha at Davidson College. Hey, if you're a Davidson College student in the room, can you stand up real quick? What plan on doing this, but can you stand up? Davidson College students, ready, set, go. All Davidson College. Y'all make some noise for these guys and girls. I was saying that inclusively. Y'all can sit back down. But, but I remember when we decided to do this thing called Chi Alpha and we had one person show up. And now we have college students in the room listening to the gospel message. I remember when we had the idea of, of opening up a coffee shop in downtown Davidson. And the purpose of this coffee shop was so that we could step into the community day in and day out. That we wouldn't be a church that just pops up on a Sunday morning and doesn't do anything else throughout the week. So we opened up Good Drip Coffee, and now we have Bible studies that go on in there every single week. We have conversations about Jesus every single week, and we're able to truly be there for our community. I remember when our practicum students would go door to door and start inviting people to church. Can you imagine being a college student, going door to door in an area that you don't know, knocking on the door, hey, my name is McKenzie, can I invite you? <laughs> Here's a come sit with me card. Like I, I remember back to those days. I remember back to the, the Christmas parade and, and uh, Christmas in Davidson. I mean, I remember when we uh, handed out those come sit with me cards, and there's families in this room today because of come sit with me cards that we handed out years ago. But we have to, we have to remember back. I think back to, to Jim and how he started a ministry with some blankets. I, I remember back to Chaz and how his family trajectory was changed because he decided to go on a men's retreat. I remember back to the, the countless men and women that went on our retreats this year that your lives and your families were changed because you stepped out of your comfort zone. I remember back to Bob and Sue Hackendorf. So Bob and Sue, they were both in their 80s. We sent out flyers that we were planting the church five years ago, and they got one. They were the first family that showed up. Bob had his, his little walker coming into the, the church and and, and Miss Sue, like she was right behind him, kind of helping him along. And I'm thinking, oh, dear Lord, we're about to blow whatever eardrums they have left out. Not only did they stay at the church, they planted our first home group and were the first family to open up their home. Like I have to remember back to those moments. I think back to the 50 plus salvations that we've had this year alone. I think back to the, the baptisms that we have this year. I think about the baptisms that we're going to have today. I think about the life transformation that's happened. I think about some of my very best friends in this room that I didn't have five years ago. I, I think about people like Stephen Jackson, wherever you are. I know you're here. I just don't know where. Dude, we randomly met because you saw a Faith Rx book in my bag and said, hey, do you do that? And we stopped and have a five-minute conversation. And now I know I can call you for absolutely anything and everything that I need. I think about other friends in, in the room. I think about everybody that I know from the gym in the room. You're not just people that I high-five at the gym. You're people that have made an impact in my life. I have to remember, I mean, you think of the four people that were up here earlier. I have to remember those stories. The first thing that we're called to do is to remember. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is, oh, yeah, that stuff happened. 
But when's the last time you've actually stopped and paused and thought about to remember what God has actually done in your life? About God's faithfulness in your life. I don't care what season you're in. I don't care if you're on the top of the mountain or in the bottom of the valley. Where has God been faithful in your life? Where do you need to go back and remember? The second thing that we need to do to reignite the love in your heart, what we see in verse 5, is that we're called to repent. So we remember what God has done, and then we repent. Some of us need to say, God, I'm sorry. My, myself included. We need to say, God, I'm sorry I've gotten too comfortable. But we need to say things like, I'm sorry that I haven't been the witness that I should have been. I'm sorry that I tried to take credit for everything. I'm sorry that I thought that I got that pay raise on my own. I'm sorry that I thought that I got that promotion on my own. God, I'm, I'm sorry that I thought that I started that business on my own. God, I'm sorry that I thought that, that I, I had my family under control on my own. God, God I, I'm sorry that I thought that I was ever good enough to do it by myself. Because what we'll do is when things get comfortable, when things get easy, when things are going smooth, we forget that God had his hand on absolutely everything. But then when things are going bad, we want to go, God, where are you? Man, can I remind us all that God is and has always been there? That we have to repent and say, God, I'm sorry that I thought I was good enough to do it on my own. Oftentimes we look at repentance as something that's harsh and demanding. But repentance is God welcoming us with open arms. I get it. It can be weird to think that the God of the universe is standing there with his arms open saying, hey, come on, whatever you got, I can take it. However bad you think it is, I, I can handle it. Our Thursday morning Bible study, again, there's a group of about 20, 25 of us that meet every week. And I got this group text, uh, and they, they'll put it on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. My buddy Corey wrote this. He said, fellas, I'm not one for a paragraph text but felt like firing this one off. I recommend reading uh, all the red words in Luke 6 when you get to it on page 83. That's in our uh, devotional that we're doing. So much good stuff in there. But it got me down a rabbit hole, which landed me on my favorite verse in the Bible, Luke 15, 20, about the prodigal son. So he got up and he went back to his father. This is what scripture says. So he got up and he went back to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Corey ended with, it wrecks me every time. Listen, Jesus is telling this parable about the prodigal son, and I'll kind of give a, a newsflash. We're going to be stepping into that scripture because we're going to talk about the prodigal son, we're going to talk about the love of the father, and we're going to talk about the older brother and how he responded. But, but Jesus is giving this parable, and he says, look, I know you've screwed up. I know you've fallen off the wagon. I know you feel like you've removed yourself so far from me that I can't handle what you're bearing, but, but I can. Jesus says, I've, I've got you. It's the same message that John is talking about in Revelation, and it's the same message that rings true today. Jesus is waiting with open arms if we just say, I'm broken, and I need you. So we're called to remember, we're called to repent, and then we're called to revive. The back half of verse 5 says this, and do the works you did at first. Well, what did they, what did they do at first? We, we say it like this at our church, they love Jesus and changed the world. What we know about these individuals is they spent time with them. 
They spread the gospel message. So what does that look like for us? How do we spend time with Jesus? I know I'm talking about my men's group a lot, but it's because of the impact they've had in my life. Listen, if you're not in a group right now, get in one. I promise you, life is a little easier when people are surrounding you. But when, when, we're in this, when we're in this Bible study, what we do is we get together every Thursday. Again, there's about 20, 25 of us, and we challenge each other to have quiet times with Jesus. What does your personal relationship truly look like with Jesus? Was it just a prayer that you said a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, a couple years ago, a couple decades ago, and that's all that it is? Or are you spending time with Jesus daily? We can try to complicate following Jesus. Do this, don't do that, blah, blah, blah. Here's what it is. Spend time with him. What does that look like? Read the Bible. Pray. Listen. What, what if, what if, what if you started out and for five minutes a day you prayed, for five minutes a day you read scripture and you journaled, and then for five minutes a day, you just sat in silence to listen to what God was saying. See, oftentimes we're going, God, where are you? Why haven't I heard anything from you? And God's like, because you haven't shut your mouth long enough for me to say anything. Now listen, I've never heard an audible voice from God. Some, some people have, I have not. But I get gut feelings. And I get these thoughts that run through my head. I'm like, that's too smart to be Zach. <laughs> y'all laughing because y'all been there. <laughs> but, but that's... That's what it is. Try to overcomplicate this thing. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. In our group, we challenge each other to memorize scripture. Why? Because 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says what? If you're in the room and you know it, say it. Y'all hear all those men's voices right now? It's because they're in our Bible study. All scripture... It's God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I don't know about you, but I want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work that God has for me. If we're not equipped, then we can't do the work. How do we equip ourselves? We learn scripture. How do we equip ourselves? We spend time with Jesus. I want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. John tells us to not grow cold and weary, and we do that by using our gifts, talents, and resources that God has given us to impact the kingdom. And when we serve, we're doing the work that Jesus is calling us to. And serving can look different for every single person in the room. It's every person that serves in the kids' ministry. It's every person that's a part of the setup and teardown team. It's every person that was really loud opening chairs when Sam was up here. But guess what? They were serving because we needed more chairs. It's every person that walks around and takes pictures to tell our story about what's going on at this church. It's every person that's a part of the media team. It's every person that's a part of the worship team. It's every person that plays a part in expanding the kingdom. It's every person that's being part of a group. Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but we had 55 new individuals who have never been a part of Multiplied Church sign up for a group this semester. That's phenomenal. What does serving the kingdom look like? It looks like Jenna and Jacqueline and Piper and myself getting outside of our comfort zone and going down to Nicaragua to plant a church. Listen, if those two ladies and my five-year-old daughter can do it, ain't nobody in the room got an excuse about why they can't do it. I looked at somebody specifically and they know, they know who they are. I do it in jest and for fun. But what does it look like? 
does it look like to truly serve the kingdom? It looks like Riley and Brandy and Luke and Ashley going down to Nicaragua a few months ago to pave the way for us to plant a church. It looks like Manny and Ashley Provenzano seeing a need in the parking lot saying, hey, I want to serve there. It looks like Justin, Rochelle, and Gary serving in youth week in and week out so that kids would grow up knowing who Jesus is. It looks like Mary Pinion serving week in and week out. That girl has served her heart out for the past four years. Without serving, we grow comfortable. And when we grow comfortable, we grow cold. What we've done inside and outside the church in the last five years has been absolutely phenomenal. Listen, we're celebrating five years, but we have to learn from the church at Ephesus. We have to learn that we will not and cannot grow cold. We want to see more spiritual growth. I don't know about you, but I want to see more salvations. I don't know about you, but I want to see more baptisms. I want to see more families restored. I want to see more people in groups. I want to see more life-changing retreats. Why? Because that means the Spirit is working in and through our church, that we're not just coming in here to be some consumer church, that we just get to occupy a seat on Sunday morning. We will be a church that's active. We will be a church that's moving forward. But, but how do we do that? There's three specific ways on how we do it. And the first way has to be alone. Like Zach, that's kind of counterintuitive. No, it's not. You have to have your personal relationship with Jesus before you can ever do anything else inside the church. For some of us, it's hard to have a relationship with Jesus because we don't even know how to have a relationship with ourselves. For some of us, it's hard to spend time with Jesus because we can't sit in silence with ourselves. Can, can I just remind you and encourage you that Jesus can handle anything and everything that you've ever carried or you've ever done. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. So alone. And then together. We weren't meant to do it by ourselves. We have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But we were meant to do it within community. That's why I talk about my group so much because I believe in it. What community are you surrounding yourself with? William, you've become part of my community. You make me better. You make me laugh probably just as much or more than anybody in the room. Mainly because I want to see you in your Stone Cold Steve Austin outfit. Everybody's looking at like, who's William? I want to see that. But there's people in this room that make me better because we're part of a community. I had someone stop me in the lobby. Oh, don't cry right before service say Pastor Zach I just want you to know that this church has, has meant so much to our family and to anyone who is thinking that can I say that your family has meant so much to this church it's reciprocity we're called to do this together and then we have to go beyond I know we've been talking about Hickory a lot go ahead and put that QR code up so, so Aubrey and, and uh, Eric are planting the church in Hickory and Listen, if you know anybody in that Hickory area, I said it earlier in service, go ahead and scan that QR code because we want to know who's in that area so that we can reach out to them to tell them that we're planting Multiply Church. Let me tell you a cool God story. So Eric and Aubrey, man, they've been working out at, at Burn Boot Camp over in Hickory. And uh, man, Aubrey's been uh, in the school system working as a teacher. And Eric wore a Multiply Church shirt to Burn Boot Camp. And there was an individual, there was a lady that said, hey, I think my brother has talked about that, uh, that church a lot. She started thinking a little bit. She goes, no, I, I know that he has. 
my, my brother goes to that church in Lake Norman. Is that, is that the same thing? Is it a different church? And, and Eric goes, no, that's, that's, the same, that's the same thing. Come to find out that individual works with Aubrey in the school system, and now they've become friends. But what, what's cool is that Luke, it's Luke Watt's sister, wherever Luke is. I know he's here. I saw him. What we say matters. How we carry ourselves matters. The impact that we'll have on people's lives about how we express the gospel message absolutely matters. Now his sister is invested in Multiply Hickory and ready to be a part of that potential church plan. And stuff like that matters. It's like Nicaragua. We were there this past week. The church, I'll have some videos and some pictures that I'll show in the next couple of weeks. But man, we are up and running. We had about 40 people in a small group after uh, a serve or after we worked out uh, this past week. I'm going back in two weeks for like the official ribbon cutting to make sure that the church is ready to go. And then we're taking another team down March 11th through the 18th. We have five spots left. We had 12, seven of them are full. We have five spots left for that trip, March 11th through the 18th. Listen, if you're interested in going, sign up or, or scan the QR code and we'll give you some information. But but it makes a difference when we serve. I also got to give a, a big shout out to Brian and Gene King and Toby and Seth Hudson. Why? Because they're in Zambia right now serving. And there's, a, there's an opportunity for us to plant a church in Zambia next year. Church, we can't grow cold. We have to keep grinding. We have to keep doing hard things. We have to keep showing up. So let's make it very practical. What can you and I do? A lot of times, if we're not careful, we come up and we get this rah-rah message. It's like, okay, well, yeah, but how? Well, what's the yeah, but how moment? This is it. This is what you can do. The first thing that you can do is pray. We believe that prayer is the most, one of the most important things that we can do. We say it this way. We pray first. What if, what if every person in this room for the next month, for 30 days, committed to praying for Multiply Church for five minutes a day? What, what would happen? I don't know. Let's try it out. Man, can you set a reminder in your phone just to pray for the church and the families in the church for five minutes a day, next 30 days? What would happen? So we can pray. But scripture also tells us to give. Yes, to give of our time. Yes, to give of our talents. But scripture tells us to give financially. Some of y'all are sitting here like, oh Lord, it's one of those churches. They talk about money. Yeah, we talk about money. Why? Because Jesus talked about money. I want to talk about everything in the Bible. Said it earlier. I don't get to pick and choose. I'm just going to talk about everything in there. I think that too many families, not like in our church, but in the global church, too many families are tipping God and not tithing to God. They'll throw a couple bucks in the basket just to get God off their back, but they won't truly tithe. What does it look like to tithe? I don't care if you're 15 in the room or 57 in the room or 77 in the room. God calls us all to tithe. My buddy Josh, he's not here this morning. They're at a wedding, so I can talk about him. Uh, but he says, it, he says it this way. He goes, how do you know what you're supposed to tithe? You take out your calculator. You type in what you made for the week, times it by 0 0.10, hit enter, and that's what you're supposed to tithe. I don't, that's not Zach Whip. That's God. So we can pray, we can give, and we can share. The problem with sharing is this. We always want to share bad stuff in our life. This is what's going on. This is like the Pray for this. I'm a, I'm a, we believe in prayer, so we want to pray for those needs. But we forget to circle back around to see how God showed up. 
we forget to circle back around and say, hey, this is how God answered that prayer. What if we started to share those moments? What if we started to share the good things that happened in our life? So we can pray, we can give, we can share. And finally, we can serve. What would happen if every person in the room used their gifts and their talents to expand the kingdom? If you're not serving, what are you waiting on? Jesus himself said this, I came to serve, not to be served. If you want to act like Jesus, serve. What capacity? I don't know. That's for you to answer. That doesn't mean you have to be a greeter or be on the worship team. Where is God calling you to serve in the local church? Because again, he said, I came to serve, not to be served. I'm thankful and I'm grateful for the past five years. But church, man, we're just getting started. Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.